the Bible forbids birth control. Has anybody ever heard this? Really? Because I try not to argue with people. What I normally tell people to do is, is show me in the Bible. Because they'll say, the Bible, the Bible forbids birth control. Show me in the Bible where it forbids it. Why argue? Because if I argue, it's my opinion, your opinion. Just show me. Show me where it says anywhere in here, even a hint that it forbids it. And the simple answer to that is it's not there anywhere. But you will hear people say that. You'll hear people argue about birth control. By the way, abortion is not birth control. We're not talking about abortion here. Abortion is not birth control. Birth control is something that, that keeps a human being from being formed even on the most basic of levels. So the morning after pill, that's the, uh, that is an abortion. That's not a, a uh, birth control. Um, uh, acid abortions, salt abortions, um, the, I forget what they call it, where they vacuum the baby out in pieces. Those are, those are, that's not what we're talking about here. That's all murder. Every bit of that is murder. With, without a doubt, you are, you are taking a human life and you are ending a human life. And I had, I had somebody say, well, well, argue, try to argue with me. Well, what about people, what about people that are raped? You know, women that are raped. Well, okay, that's a different argument. And, and they won't like my, my answer on that either, but that's a different argument. Don't let people take you down a different argument because now the argument isn't whether or not it's murder. It's whether or not murdering an innocent is justified because of the crime of another person. And we can argue that, but it's still murder. You know, like I said, we can, we can argue the if it's justified to murder. And it's not killing, like with an inmate that chooses to take life knowing that his consequence is going to be giving up his life. That's a choice he made. That, that's different. That's a killing. That's not a murder. That's not taking the life of an innocent. So we can have all those arguments, but, but to stay, if we want to discuss it, we need to stay on topic. And there are people out there, and I'll tell you why in just a moment, because there is no scriptural basis for this, that birth control is forbidden. This is something that started with the early Catholic Church for a couple reasons. One, did you know, statistically, the chances of you being a Baptist are much greater if your parents were Baptist when you were born. Did you know that? And the cults realized this. So if they want to grow their numbers, the easiest way to grow their numbers is to outlaw birth control because now you got 20 kids and the church just exploded because now it's got all these new little members. They also make them members at, you know, shortly after birth too when they baptize them, but that's a whole other thing. But it was also many of the early popes felt that sex was a bad thing, that it was something that should only be used for procreation. But they felt that any type of, any type of activity of a sexual nature was forbidden unless it led to procreation. That's nowhere found in the Bible. That attitude is found nowhere in the Bible. Many of the cults, the Catholics, the Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses and all, they use this as a way to grow their religion. The Bible does give us a ton of guidelines about sexual relations. But in essence, they basically boil down to a word called fornication. And fornication is any type of activity, sexual activity outside of marriage. Any type of sexual activity outside of marriage is what we would call fornication. Mark chapter 7, 20 through 23 says, And he said, That which cometh out of, out of the man that defileth the man, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceedeth evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, 
an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. So you see, one of the things on that list is fornication. Matter of fact, he lists fornication before he lists murders. They say these things defile the man. This is why God is very stignant about this is, is because he understands that sexual relations outside of marriage is not just about the unwanted offspring. It's not just about what it does to society. It's not just what it does to the society in general. It's about what it does to the individual person and the damage that it does to the individual person. Every single law, every single guideline, every single rule that God has given us is for our benefit. It's for our blessing. And he doesn't want to see us damaged. He doesn't want to see us hurt. First Corinthians 6.18 says, flee fornication. That word flee there doesn't mean just uh, ignore it. It means to actively run away from it. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. That's a powerful statement. Almost by definition, when we sin, we sin against God. This is why we sin against our own body. Flee fornication. Every sin that the man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. You see, fornication damages our body. It doesn't matter. People will say, well, what about this? What about this? Understand, fornication is a huge umbrella word that is not just consenting adults having sex outside of marriage. It includes child molestation. It includes rapes. It includes every, every sexual atrocity you can think of are all covered underneath this umbrella. And it says that they all damage us the same. This was my, my thing when, when um, they started to make homosexual marriages legal. Um, and one of the problems that I had with Christians that were speaking up against this is Christians that were, li were living outside of marriage and having sex outside of marriage were, were standing on the front lines condemning homosexuals that were getting married. That's the kind of judgment that God tells us not to do. Because when you're involved in the exact same sin, there is no difference between the homosexuals and the fornicators because homosexuals are fornicators. So if, it, if it's two men having sex together or an unmarried man and an unmarried woman having sex together, that's the same in God's eyes. So be careful when you throw those stones. Neither of those, let me make it very, very clear, neither of those are acceptable in God's eyes. They're all condemned in the eyes of God and they can all be forgiven by God. You can be forgiven and set free from any of those underneath that umbrella of fornication. There's a myths out there that, that, you know, that's just the way people are made. That's just the way they're wired. That's just the way, well, you know, we're all made with some kind of defect in us and God can set us free from those defects. It's very, very simple. And we always have the choice not to participate in those defects. First John chapter one, verse number nine says, if we, for, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I love some of the simplest verses in the Bible are some of the simplest and easiest to understand, but yet they have such a huge meaning. Look at this little tiny verse. It starts with us if we confess our sins. So we have to take a step here. We have to confess them. And confessing isn't, by the way, confessing and admitting aren't the same things. Admitting is, yeah, I'm a sinner. I have no intentions on changing. That's admitting. Confessing is when you give something up and say, 
that not only am I a sinner, but I regret my sin, and I don't plan on doing it anymore. That's confessing. There's a difference between admitting and confessing. We understand this on the earthly level. Look at somebody that stands before a judge in court. There's a, the judge treats the person different that just simply says, yeah, I did it. He admitted it. There's no remorse. He doesn't care. He did it. going to do it again. Or the person says, I did it. I shouldn't have done it. I don't plan on ever doing it again. There's a difference. And even earthly judges see that difference. Even earthly judges make that distinction between the two. And if an earthly judge, which every earthly judge is flawed, if they can make the distinction, how much more so can our Heavenly Father? He says, if we confess, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love this. This is one of those verses that I love because of what it doesn't say. It doesn't say some sins. It doesn't say half the sins. It doesn't say every sin but fornication. It doesn't say every sin but homosexuality. It doesn't say every sin but pick a sin, blasphemy. It doesn't say that, does it? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. People don't like to hear about what the Bible has to say about sin simply because, or about sex because they don't want to have to follow the guidelines. But understand, those guides were given to you for a reason, to protect you. And if you've made that mistake, or you're making that mistake now, if you're willing to confess, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us. He'll forgive you of all of it. Remember, it's not about you, it's about him. It's about his love. And he loves you enough that even when you do what he tells you not to do, he's willing to forgive you. He's willing to wipe it away and give you a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance because that's the God that we serve. If you're here today and maybe it's not this sin, maybe it's some other sin, maybe it's some other lifestyle choice that you've made that the Bible forbids and you've admitted it but you haven't confessed it, maybe it's time to confess that today. Maybe it's time to stop just admitting and actually confess. Admitting is a good first start. I don't want to take that away from anybody. Admitting that you're a sinner, admitting that what you're doing is wrong is a good first start. Why don't you take that second step? Confess those sins before God and let Him be faithful. Let Him be just. Let Him forgive you of your sins.